Welcome to Booklandia, where we review romance novels. This and every episode are chock full of oversharing and spoilers. Every episode is rated E for explicit. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Booklandia. I am Ford. And I am Sky. And the intro that we've been using all of this year, and I keep calling it the new (laughs) intro, the intro. The new intro Uh is super short and catches me off guard every time that it is time to start the episode. And those four seconds are gone. (laughs) Surprise, we're back. Surprise, we are here. Exactly. I want to say I thoroughly enjoyed that we showed up in our knitwear for this episode. (laughs) Oh, most definitely. This is exactly why I'm wearing what I'm wearing. Because today (laughs) we are talking about Outlander by Diana Mm -hmm. Gabaldon. Oh, I did not kill that. (laughs) Hey, good job. I had to spell it out in my head. Great job. Uh, it's the I didn't L. practice it, so thank God it was you. <laughs> the yeah. L really trips me up. This is not a new book. This book no. is actually quite old, has been out since, turns out, and I did not know this, 1991. So, whoa. Obviously, the well, TV show is that's super when the popular. the first book came out. Yes. The, yeah, the first book came out in 91. The most recent book, the ninth book, came out in 2021. Yes, right. Like that. So, so ongoing series. Ongoing series, indeed. And the show started in 2014, 2015, something like that. It started in, I will tell you exactly, because uh, it's affiliated with a time I spent alone at home. Well, not alone, but at home for an extended period of time, (laughs) which is how I caught up on watching it. And it was Uh, 2014. Yeah. I started this book series because the TV show was coming out and I read each book before the season starts. So like I'm due to read the sixth book because the sixth season is coming out or the fifth book in the fifth season is coming out, whatever. I lost track of No, you said it right the first time. I I believe it's six and six that is happening to you. Yeah. Okay. So for those people who are very unfamiliar with what's going on, shall shall we, shall I tell them what the first book is about? Wait, I've forgotten the cover. (laughs) Here's Here's one of the multiple multitude of covers. Yes. It's a very electric blue background with... A crown and some sort of flower weed growing out of the crown. And then it says Outlander and the author's title. Yeah, author's if we're name. if we're um cooler people, we would have probably looked up whose crest that flower was. I mean, shall we just suppose it's the Fraser crest? Or a weed just we pret. Just we pret. For those of you who don't know the reference, that's in the book. That is their motto. That's the Fraser mo- yes. motto. Fraser, Jamie Fraser yeah. is uh, one of the main characters. All right, I'm going to read this. Yeah. It's going to be a thing. Read my very terribly written blurb. Good luck. I I hate it. I think it's terrible. So just make it better. Could you please? Let's see if I can. All right. Okay. Three, three, two, two, one, one. Claire is enjoying her honeymoon in Scotland after the Second World War when she falls through a standing stone into the 1740s, where she meets Highlander Jamie Fraser. She must survive and fit in while dodging suppositions that she's a witch and helping people navigate through a history that she is familiar with. 
all of that. Yes, she's all. She's a nurse yeah, at this point. She is yeah. a physician's assistant, which is relevant mm-hmm. to the witch comment. And she was a nurse yep. in the infantry, and she served as a in the infantry in in the doctor's legion yeah. i guess i do not know the name for this in the uk <laughs> in the second world war the, so she is a field yeah. surgeon like she knows a lot of yeah. field prep and how to triage really well which is how she mm-hmm. gets to be labeled as a witch because she uses all of these field field i put that in quotes available things to her mm-hmm. in 1740 to help people not die Mostly. There's a lot of not dying because of her. And they're mad about it, which is... (laughs) Well, they're just ignorant to the, the future. Ignorant to future science, as I would be if I was an 18th century person. Yes. So, yeah. I wrote, I didn't write the part that she was a nurse because honestly, I didn't remember if she was a doctor or a nurse and when that happened. She doesn't become a doctor until after the first book when she goes... Spoiler, when she goes back into the 1940s and then she Mm -hmm. becomes one of the first women surgeons after they moved to America. because So I I remembered that bit, but I didn't remember when the doctoring happened. So anywho, having read five books, it is hard for me to keep the end of one book separate from the beginning of another book. Luckily, it's usually there's usually a standing stone time traveling book end, especially for the first one, but almost all of them have some sort of time traveling element to it. I'm just going to like jump to one of my thoughts. We're we're kind of doing this a different structure than our usual episode, so just go just go with the flow everybody. Just enjoy. Because of this time traveling element, do you consider this first book or this whole series of books to be magical realism, to be fantasy. I think they're just straight up shelved fiction, but like romance, where would you categorize these books? Well, time travel is is fantasy or a science fiction, I guess, could be mm. a good spot for it. I would not call it fabulism or magical realism because that implies the existence of non-real things in everyday life and for them the standing stones and their particular family history and their specific like there is a formula for traveling through the stones right a jewel is required you have to be a particular family member and yet you have to be at the standing stone so there's not like and you have to hear it and you have to hear it so right and yeah, the stone has to be singing to you. So having said all yeah. of that, I don't think it's fabulism or magical realism because sure. there isn't everyday magic. Mm. Yes. and it, But traditionally with fantasy, you either have a softer, hard, magical structure. So, so this is really and, sci-fi. And magical realism. So, yeah, but it is... I, I don't know that I agree with that either. I don't know that I like that. That doesn't feel... <laughs> True. I mean, it is so, truly uh, the definition yeah. of fiction, right? It is a fictitious mm-hmm. thing that happened. And that this, sure. right, uh, Time Traveler's Wife is yeah. also shelved in general fiction. That's true. That's very true. And definitely not romance because there's no happily ever after at the end of this book. So women's fiction? 
I mean, a lot of women would agree with that. They've definitely been reading it for that yeah. reason. Okay, so a couple of yeah. things to know about this book in case you're like, I'm really thinking about jumping in. This one yeah. of nine books is 850 mm-hmm. pages long. That's book one. Every one of the books yeah. has been the same, if not larger. So yes, they are at doorstop. My Kindle says that I would read it in 13 and a half hours. And I'm a pretty fast reader. So put that into your thought bank. Now, book one, I didn't, it didn't feel like 13 and a half hours. Book five felt like 13 and a half hours. The whole first third of that book was pointless and I could have thrown it out the window. Uh, So I read this book in 2016. It's been a while. And Mm -hmm. I went back to Goodreads and read my review. (laughs) And we're going to read my Uh review later on in the episode because it is a lot. But I did originally (laughs) abandon the book. So it was originally on my DNF shelf. I did eventually get through it. But I found even book one to be too dense, too, too much of a thing. So because I've liked this book, specifically number one, so much, it has become really helpful in me knowing historical, like British historical timelines. Because having read The Vanished Days last year by Susanna Kearsley, it's set sort of just after these events. And I was like, oh, yeah, the, the second rebellion of Bonnie Prince Charlie trying to get his throne back from the King George. No, was it George at this time? Can't remember. See, maybe not so good at history. I think it was George at this time. And like, oh, I'm like, that's very clearly 1750s. I, like, I, I now have Scottish timeline in my knowledge bank, which is like, isn't that why you read to fucking learn shit? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, while while enjoying a book, you also accidentally learn some history and it's actually (laughs) accurate. That's great. That's fabulous. Yeah. So here is uh, I feel like maybe your question might be a good idea. I'm not sure. sure. It's very long and there's a lot in there. Before we get into (laughs) it, I want to make it clear that you really like this book. And the reason we were going to make this episode Mm -hmm. structure differently is because you like the series and I vehemently hell no, do not. I have a lot of really strong feelings sure. and all of them are nay, nay, nay. <laughs> Here, here's what I'm going to say. And I'll probably reiterate it multiple times. But like, if you're just here and you want to cut to the chase. The first three books are great. The first trilogy, I'm all for. Starting around book four and five, my interest has wavered. The books start to talk more about Brianna, who, I, fucking spoiler alert, is Jamie and Claire's daughter, ah! and who is raised in the 60s, the 1960s, and travels back through the stones with her Roger. husband, uh, it, with Roger, who I absolutely hate and find really pointless as a human being and as a character. And I really don't like the actor in the show about it come at me um (laughs) and so like since they've become the central point in the next trilogy i just care much less but what i keep reading for is the historical parts of this so i believe book six is the introduction of the revolutionary war in america yes which they are pulled into and that feels hella interesting to me After that, I don't know if I'll keep reading. 
but that will be the end of the second trilogy. And lo and behold, there's two more books. So who knows? And there's also a side series, the Lord Grey series. Did you know about this? Nope. Nope. What? So Lord Grey, the guy who had a crush on Jamie. Yes. Uh, and, and was then, kind of his patron. Yes. Yeah. He, there's a whole side series with him. Are you just having whiskey? Are you just drinking? Um, if you're drinking whiskey, very on point, and I applaud you. I am, in fact, drinking whiskey. It is American, well so it like not fully <sighs> on point. I, but yes, this is where we're at. We're at whiskey drinking I'm already. I'm whiskey drinking too. <laughs> it's sweet. It's not whiskey. That would have been a big cla- okay. glass of it. Okay, so um, <laughs> yeah. do you want me to g- go with my my question? My question is more of a comment, less of a question. But here's what I need you guys to know. The note in the script says, keep your damn underwear. And this is what I mean. Claire travels back through time to the 17 motherfucking 40s. And then mm-hmm. she's wearing a nightgown and some underwear. Yep. When she does it, Uh because she's not planning to time travel. She does it on accident. So then she gets picked up by Jamie and his friends. And they're all like, ah, skip. Wait, no, she gets picked up. I'm sorry. She gets picked up by the other guy whose name is Jack. Jack Randall. Randall. And we find, and Jack Randall looks exactly like her husband in the Mm -hmm. future, which is because he is a long go descendant of her husband and she runs to him because she mm. thinks that it's her husband uh, he is not he attempts to rape her she is saved from yeah. that by jamie and his friends but they're all scandalized by mm-hmm. what she's wearing and so they immediately mm-hmm. try to find her clothing more appropriate for a woman in the 1740s in the highlands of scotland mm-hmm. so for exposure mm-hmm. purposes and hypothermia woohoo What happens almost immediately is that her 1940s underwear, so her Mm -hmm. underwear, you guys, gets discarded. And she is then wearing knickers, or at this time, in Scotland, I'm very sure it's just free-balling. It's petticoats and you're fully exposed hoo-ha. Now, here is my issue. Okay. Underpants. Keep like pr- you kn- like protect your very vulnerable bits. It does not cost you anything to keep your underwear. Just keep your underwear mm-hmm. because at some point mm-hmm. you're gonna have a period, and with underwear it's a lot easier to care for that than it is without mm-hmm. underwear because free bleeding is just mm-hmm. no fun to anyone I'm, unless you're a person who free bleeds. In which case, power to you. That's impressive, but that's a bunch to take care of. Underpants would really solve that because they have that middle panel situation. Uh, you don't have to share your underwear with anyone. I realize that it would not be historically accurate and it would like break the paradigm of time travel if you introduced other people to underwear. But that middle crotch panel is like the reason I would not time travel. <laughs> done. Rant done. Soapbox over. <laughs> uh, thank you for your middle panel TED talk. <laughs> I really need the middle panel. Uh, it gets drafty. You very much love the parts that touch your labia. Okay, great. I like my labia really well protected. 
Yes, absolutely. Same. Um, my one commentary is about petticoats on petticoats about lady freeballing is the thing that most people are thinking about is that men in kilts also freeballing. It's just thematic. I mean, regionally true. thematic. Agreed. But they've been freeballing their entire life. You, True. a person from the now, so, show up over there, yeah. and then over there is like your your lady bits are ready for the freezing winter, and you're like, nah, mm-hmm, man, mm-hmm, my mm-hmm. lady bits have been protected from the elements sure. by the middle panel. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So you don't you haven't built up any um, calluses, right? So the outside of your mitt. Great. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. How long do you think it takes to build up labial calluses to the weather? Uh, dear Diana Gabaldon, please answer this question because I... Great. Inquiring minds need to know. Exactly. She probably also kept her... I'm trying to think of a classy slash funny way to say it. She probably trimmed her bush... Which also meant it was pretty drafty down there so, until she uh, grew that out. I was going to say, so actually, she it's 1940s, so she, right after the war, so she didn't. Uh, and then in book, sure. I have not read the book. I have seen the episodes, though. When they go to France, she waxes mm. it, and like there's a whole thing about it. Oh, that's right. That's right. 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 Yep. You're right. Okay. So we weren't. We don't have to worry about draftiness in that regard. Yeah. Like she there's at least some, some layering. Some layering. Some because yeah. Because when it happens, mm-hmm. Jamie's like, "Oh my god, what did you do?" So I assume that that means that up until that point, mm-hmm. she was all natural. Excellent. Can you imagine icicles on your vaginal hair? No, I mean, no, I have, okay. and I am squeezing and cringing <laughs> as we speak. Uh, no, <laughs> no. That is your kegel work for the day. You're ah. welcome. Yeah. As I've mentioned, what I find really interesting about these books is the historical aspect. So Claire knows what the future holds for Scotland at this time. And no matter what she does, she can't stop the snowballing of the rise of Bonnie Prince Charlie again. This is the second time he's tried for this throne. And the Battle of Culloden, which will decimate the Scottish culture. And, you know, all the all the men die, essentially, in this battle. And so sh- she's doing everything she can to stop it, seeing that she can't stop it, and is trying to influence it in any way possible. Is that interesting to you do you think that is frustrating like if you were pulled through time wouldn't you think you were there for a purpose and yet for her her purpose is pointless yeah so in her instance there are stories and i think if you are a regular person who suddenly traveled through time it would be assumptive of you not wrongly so that you had a specific purpose and that is what she thinks that her purpose is to stop the battle of culloden which she does not succeed in doing and spoiler alert for the whole end of the book <laughs> and the like yeah if you have not caught up to any of this so sorry I don't know that in the moment I would clearly see that my efforts aren't doing anything Mm -hmm. because I feel like she feels like she is trying to convince 
She's trying to raise an army. She's trying to convince them not to fight. She's trying to approach the other side and convince them not to fight. Like she's doing all of these things. And I think up until the very last moment, she thinks that her efforts bring fruit. Yeah. And maybe they do. Right. Right. Maybe the battle is like Jamie Frazier is on the roster of the dead. And Mm -hmm. what we don't know until again, spoiler alert Mm -hmm. what what is never made clear is whether or not he survives the battle and is accidentally put on that roster always or if that is the rewritten history that she altered right right that's a good point and he he does a lot in that battle to protect the men of lallybrock who he is their clan leader he's their laird so like he saves a bunch of their lives too. Now they end up getting imprisoned and set shipped to America in for indentured servitude. But like he saves their lives. So yeah, like we don't know if how I don't know how much this deviates from actual history. Right. What we what we know originally is that the only piece of information given to us in 1940 is that Jamie Fraser mm-hmm. dies. In the Battle of Culloden. And then he doesn't die, but he is recorded into the list of the dead. Um, And that. And and she believes that he's dead for the second book. Yeah. That, yeah. So she believes that she, yeah, yeah, that he did not survive that battle. Mm -hmm. And she she has crossed back into the modern day or the her modern Mm day. And she Mm -hmm. finds the record of him being dead. And so she believes that he did not make it, which is why for the next 20 years, she doesn't go back. Right. Exactly. I also just wonder if her entire purpose is to keep Jamie alive. Because he he is the cog that like sets everything in motion. No, no. I'm just saying like, dude gets a lot of injuries and she is the one to keep him alive most of the time. A lot of the time she is the doctor that that doctors him back to health. This Leads right into my next soapbox. This is not a question so much as it's a soapbox. Okay. So Jamie, to me, was a slab. Like, he felt like he was made out of papier-mâché. And she just kept slapping new layers onto this character. Because Jamie and Claire are forced to get married. There's a reason why this mm-hmm. happens. When they are married, they are forced to consummate their marriage because it's the only mm-hmm. how it counts that they're married at this time. I have mm-hmm. a lot to say about this, but continue on. And during mm-hmm. their their first sexual interaction, he asks, he's confused by lovemaking yep. and is sure uh-huh. that it happens in the way that horses mate, yes. which is... Misguided because he's a best. virgin. He is a virgin. And no. so this is a bit confusing to me because even while a virgin, I was pretty clear on the concept of missionary position. And I realized that I maybe had more exposure, mm. but everybody mm. in the fucking village and beyond is either fucking or talking mm-hmm. about it. So to imagine that this mm-hmm. person was not told by any of their friends after any of the weddings, how the butter gets turned is just... Oh, no. Mm-mm. Reject. I'm rejecting that one. No, thank you. I'm putting that in the box with his club and her area. I'm closing the lid, nailing it shut. So, 
my point is that like that seemed so unbelievable to me and then mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. within 20 pages of that ridiculousness he is the leader of the clan and i'm just like so is he a man a-, a child a horse breeder a stable hit like his entire existence was so all over the place that it was i was just like is he 12 is he 47 where are we (laughs) well he was always the leader of of the fraser clan like he was always the leader of the clan the whole time on like a bunch of stuff 24 yeah Okay, okay, sure. He's sure. 24 in a country and in a time period where by 24 yeah. you should already be a parent, right? Yeah. So, like, that felt really far-fetched. And then okay. I also felt like Claire's willingness to be like, I'm going to set aside my um, 1940s husband for my 1740s husband. Like, no shade, woman. Get what you want, but... There was, like, no process. No processing at all. She was like, cool, put that on the shelf. Hello, new dick. No, okay, hard disagree. Um, <laughs> she didn't think she could go back, so she's making butter out of the cream she had. <laughs> I thought we should do a callback. And I think, wasn't it, if she didn't marry him, they were going to burn her at the stake for being a witch? So it was survival, as well, the stakes there was, were there higher. Was like life or death, yeah. Reasons why she did them, it. Like, and then I just remembered the the first sexual encounter when, it, like, as she gets to pulling mm-hmm. down his pants, she's like, "Might as well." <laughs> sure, I mean they had to again. Like, if it's life or death, and you just said consummation is the only proof of marriage, like you had to. You had to. Also, she was always a very enthusiastic sexual being. Like that was that's always been said. Yes, it is very clear. But like, there's just some stuff in there that I was like, I could have used some more maybe internal monologue or maybe external Mm. monologue, particularly Mm. if he's like, do we do it like horses? And she's like, let me just de-pants you and we'll sort it out. I'm like, "Mm, maybe talk him through a bunch of stuff first. Well, what I remember clearly is that she made him be on top instead of her being on top for his first time. She put him on top. So like there, there's some like, I don't know, uh, top bottom stuff going on that I'm not cool with. But like, I remember very specifically that he was on top for his de-virginizing. So is that a weird thing to remember from a book I read? So many I mean, years I remember ago, the moment. Ago. Yeah, I remember the moments <laughs> preceding that where he has deep pants, and she's like, "Might as well sure. pull these down." And I was like, "Okay, that's right. maybe not what I would be thinking in that moment." But you do you boo, um, and then it's like you do you boo. <laughs> so, anyways, my point is, sure. is that his character was really unclear to me the entire time, mm-hmm. and so. Yeah. It starts out with him being this, like, shy, timid, we sleep in a barn, we don't understand sexual consent situation. Yeah. And there's also, like, the fact that, like, they rescue her from being raped. And then Mm -hmm. they joke about treating her like a sex worker. Yeah. And then they're like... Because of the way she was dressed. Because of the way she's dressed. The way she was dressed. Right. And then he's like, oh, hold up. I've never even, like, thought about mm-hmm. how parts go together. And I was like, um, 
I need more here. I need more explanation on how his brain works. Yeah. And then it was. I always I just, imagined that this book was his like final journey into manhood. Like he already had a lot of male responsibilities except for the ones expected in marriage. And like that was just the last step that he had to take to be a man or whatever. I don't know. That's that's always how I read into it. This is not going to be a flattering comment to this book series, so I've already put it out <laughs> there. But can I tell you that I am constantly conflating the storyline of this series with the storyline of Discovery of Witches? And I keep being like, wasn't he married before? And I was like, wait, no, that's a different one and a completely different story. <laughs> one of them's a vampire and I one know. of them's an actual witch. I know. So it has nothing so, to do. Nope. Real vampires and witches. No one's a vampire. No one's a witch. Hard agree. I have no <laughs> idea why. But they, I mean, I have similar <laughs> issues with both series. So maybe that's why. Sure. Mm. Um. Also, well, that's a show so, to that. That's a series to do a different episode on. Could be. I remember way less of those, but <laughs> excellent. Good point. When the show was getting popularized, yeah. marketed, that's the word. Oh, Lord. I read an article in Entertainment Weekly about it. And the article had this infographic that's like one of those, like, body outlines basically that you see on like medical paperwork about like where injuries are and it was all the injuries that jamie fraser had accrued in the books up until that point 2014 or so and like attacked by a bear he gets his hand crushed in this book right it's mm-hmm. not book two no it's like, in this his book. entire hand is decimated he's already you meet him and he's already been graphically whipped and has these terrible scars on his back like all of this stuff happens to him. he gets bitten by a snake in a little and a poisonous snake in a later book like all this crazy shit and that is my first memory of this story is like this guy can't die and then thank god she's a nurse because she fucking keeps him alive. She rebuilds his hand and does like, not tension, what it, the, the things that you put on to keep your hand from moving. Like she builds that for him. It's just, it's crazy to me. And he should have died a million times and Claire saved him. And I think maybe that's her entire purpose is just to keep this guy alive so he can change history. Ooh, I don't like that. I don't like the, the misogyny of that. Yeah, yeah, that's but. sort of a thing. A shout out, not to the book, but to the uh, makeup team. <laughs> Sorry, a shout out ah. to the makeup team of the show because yes. the like the scar tissue that is his mm-hmm. back, and every time they do like a three sixty shot, I all every yeah. time, and he's shirtless. I think about the mm-hmm. hours and hours of makeup that they have to do mm-hmm. to make that shot. And so the number of times that he takes his shirt off and we do not see his back is because they don't have the time or the money to make that shot be accurate to what is supposed to be the history of his scars. Yeah. From what I've read, it's a piece. It's like a single piece or back piece of some kind. And then they just have to do the edging for it, which I think helps. I mean, nice tangent. Let's talk about the show a little bit. <laughs> okay, well, shout out shout out to all the special effects on that show because the special effects are yeah. spectacular and I feel like they're really minute. So one of the mm-hmm. other things that happens that like when this happened on screen, I might have reached out to you, I might have screamed, I might have done both. But <laughs> Jamie's sister 
is just mm-hmm. had has a baby and is then mm-hmm. nursing that child and then has to be away from the child so she, she's engorged and she has to relieve the all of the milk that she has produced and so yeah. on screen she unveils a boob and squeezes it to to release some of the to yeah. to let down some of the milk it looks absolutely spectacular but i know that it's a special effect like i know that the actress isn't actually producing milk in that moment it was created and my brain immediately Mm. went how did they do it like what is the mechanism to make this happen and it looks spectacular it looks so realistic and i like i felt and at the time i was breastfeeding so i like felt physical relief for her (laughs) I was like, your breasts, yes. your, your breasts were like, ah, yes, excellent. <laughs> it, was, it was excellent. That aside, well, I do think that there's some really lovely history in there and really great mm-hmm. research that, that went into it. When mm-hmm. we go to France, I have some questions, but prior to France, it's really spectacular. Yeah. Okay. I have to give my shout out. I love Bear McCreary. He is the person who does their music score. He is known for Battlestar Galactica. Like he's one of the best composers in the business right now. And they change the intro music a little bit every season, which I think is awesome. And then also the costumes. I really like the costumes. I know that you're you have a very finite view on it, but like we wore our, our heavy knits because they do a lot of heavy knitwear in the show and I love it. Yeah. I think it's if you're good. if you're part of the uh, fiber community, <laughs> if you knit or crochet, there is like there was an uptick. Fiber in... community. <laughs> that I'm is so the. Re- sorry. I've never that heard is... it before. Hi, that is the real thing. <laughs> but um, <laughs> there's been fiber a... squad. There's been an uptick in Outlander, and one of yeah. the greatest. And I feel like this is not not in the first or the second season there is an episode where claire is invited to a yarn dyeing sit-in with the other women and they drink cider and then they pee on the yarn because that is how you color Mm -hmm. fast things in that time period which is true Mm -hmm. and so it's this absolutely wonderful historically accurate how-to oh yes it's such a nerdy so much nerdery so much nerdery but i was like yes this is exactly how you color fast things before vinegar Mm -hmm. because you need an acid and uric acid works really well yeah i was like this this feels like a very fantastic like I have never had a, a pee together girl squad in my life, but I feel like this would be an amazing opportunity in the past really? to have like joined a girl squad, drink and pee together yeah. while telling each other the gossip of the town. <laughs> the hot goss. Well, I like in season five, she gets a microscope, which are new technology for the time. And she also is trying to grow penicillin from bread and she's doing all these experiments to try and make penicillin to keep her people alive. God damn it. Um, and I think that like, that's the really fun, interesting stuff as well. So my question here, and this is really uh, all about time travel, but when heading back through the stones, just take some analgesics with you. She did. And then she used them all. She could only fit like five in her skirt or whatever. And she brought needles and syringes back. And then she had to 
figure out how to make syringes in that time period. So, you know, you have to go to the glass blower and you have to get to the metal person and like, yeah. I have not seen the season, the fifth season uh, at all. I see. It's well, it's I'm pretty list. sure they, they like bleed a wound out using a snake's um, fang because they're hollow like a, like a needle is. So oh. I think that's where the idea comes from. Yeah. Very interesting. Anywho, I have to say my number one celebrity crush is Sam Hugan as Jamie Fraser. And I'm not sorry about it. He's the most handsome man on earth. Second to my spouse, whom I love very much. Thank you for editing this podcast for us, babe. (laughs) You're the best, but like perfect piece of man, but like him as a person, I'm like, you exercise too much. I'm not into this, but Jamie Fraser, there we go. I see. Uh, <laughs> that makes sense. Book okay. boyfriend. He's book my book boyfriend. boyfriend. I'm gonna, Got it. I'm going to say it. I declaring mean, it. There you go. Do you want to end this segment with your really depressing question? I know. I was about to ask exactly that. <laughs> so this is yeah. something that gets talked about in relation to the Outlander series a lot. And I do think that it's absolutely necessary to bring up. There is a lot of rape in the series. Yeah. And there's a lot of, I want to say, glorified rape. Like, it's not really glorified so much as it's excused. And the comment is, well, this is the historical reality of women in that time period. And though that Mm -hmm. very much can be true, the counter argument to that is that maybe the historical reality, but maybe we don't need to put it graphically on the page. Yeah. One of the instances that it makes me think of is when she has to sleep with the king of France to get Jamie out of trouble, out of prison, something like that. I'm like, oh, so she has to let him rape her in order to help her husband. Yes. So frustrating. And then even if that particular storyline stays, we're in the room with it. Like we live through it with her and I don't know. And there are quite a few other instances where the entirety of the rape experience is like flushed out in really specific details to, to the degree where it is almost taking up as much of the book as the consensual Mm -hmm. sexual experiences. I mean, so in book one, I think it's book one. Again, you have to tell me, Jamie is raped by another man. Yes, it is in and, book one. And his, but which is terrible. And I'm, I, I'm not going to say it's good to see that too. Like Claire gets raped far more often than Jamie does. That's for sure. What I find interesting is that it's about his journey through that. There's, there's a lot about him coming out of that and how to. How does one person heal themselves from such a traumatic experience? Yes. And I do think that that conversation is in there for like 20 pages. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, I mean, again, it's been a while since I read it. I felt like it was more. It, it's interesting to me to see a man's journey through that. Because we don't, there's not a lot of stories that have a man being assaulted, sexually assaulted. I fully agree. So the the issues here is how much rape is glorified or just put on the page altogether without really a trigger warning at all. That's true. There is really not one. And 
The 1991 version of this book was in the land before time when we did not do trigger warnings. Mm -hmm. But the um, Mm -hmm. 20 year anniversary edition, I certainly hope, contains the trigger warning. I know that this version, the Mm -hmm. blue cover that I read in 2016, did not have a trigger warning in it at all, did not have content warnings of any kind. And those scenes are very specific. So in case this is not a thing you want to be reading for many pages, this whole Mm -hmm. series should be avoided. Yeah. I think every book has something. Something happens to Brianna. You haven't seen this season, so you don't know. She gets sexually assaulted more than once. One of them is about the ring, Mm -hmm. her mother's ring, um, in the previous season on the boat. But yes, and that that is a full-on... Like she, she gets, she pays for the ring. Right. Right. I, that helped me remember in book five, when Rod, when she and Roger get married, they have sex and it, I think to consummate their hand fasting, they got hand fasted. It triggers her from her rape. So it felt like a rape scene in of itself because of how she reacted to it in the moment. So yes, I think every book has one. Yeah, it's. It's tough and you have you have to know that going in. It is. And I mean, this book series has a huge mm-hmm. viewership and a huge readership. Mm-hmm. And it does. So the, the conversation here is that it talks about rape in a way that does not condemn it or put it away or makes it a thing mm-hmm. that we do not give time and space to. It gives a lot of time and space mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. those really specific experiences and I don't know that it has to. And eight at 850 mm-hmm. pages, you can lose the 20 <laughs> pages of gratuitous sexual violence. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't put a thought to that, like the books without that. I'm gonna I'm gonna agree because of the the outcomes, the negative outcomes don't outweigh the sto- point of the storytelling in my mind. So right. I mean, I would have loved, you know, a hundred pages on how Jamie is processing and 10 pages mm-hmm. on the event itself. Right. And it's the other way around. We live in sure. that cell with him while he's being tortured yeah. for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And we live in him processing mm-hmm. for about 20 pages in a sex scene in the mud, in the mud bath <clears throat> with her or in front of the fire with her. And I have a lot of questions as to how his hand isn't getting hurt while they're doing all the things that they're doing. So I get to that later She's in this episode. She's a very good doctor. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just gratuitous sex is all it is. Yes, that is why I liked the first book the best. Most sex. Most ah. gratuitous, explicit sex. Well, can we can we take a break on that rather than my depressing yeah. commentary? Please. Um, Let's do that. I'm going to get more whiskey while we're on break. What is the RPG Concierge? It's an interview show that discusses tabletop role-playing games. This hobby has had a renaissance over the past several years, and odds are you've heard of Dungeons & Dragons, hands down the most iconic of RPGs. If you're curious about what D&D is or other RPGs you've heard of, then check out the RPG Concierge. Are you curious about dipping your toe into this mysterious hobby? Are your friends talking about it, but you feel nervous about joining? Are you afraid of ruining it for everyone else? Well, you're not alone, and as your RPG concierge, it's my duty to make sure that you feel comfortable. 
check out our first season, which is entirely dedicated to getting started with role-playing games. Each episode will discuss a different topic with a new guest, be they brand new players discussing their experiences, or veterans doling out advice for all the rookies out there. We'll remove some of the mystery that surrounds this vast and exciting hobby and have fun doing it. So come check us out. We're going to take an intermission. When we come back, we will discuss our favorite moments from the book and if this book made us want to get naked. We're back. I have more whiskey. Excellent. We are back and we are talking <laughs> about Outlander by Diana Gabaldon and really the whole series. Nailed it. Two for two. Oh You've man! Done it. I, today is a talking day, <laughs> you guys. Today my today... whole mouth is working. <laughs> today is a bones day. Yes. Not a no bones day. That's exactly right. Okay, so we're going to talk about our most compelling moment in the book, and yeah, uh, I feel like yours is very good, and mine is going to be the reading of my Goodreads review of this book originally read in 2016. Let's start with yours, which I know and have on good authority is a total bummer. And then we'll do mine, which you've claimed is very good. And I'm very proud of myself. Okay. So (laughs) my most... So by the way, we're talking about favorite moments in the book. So now you know. (laughs) Your favorite moment is your Goodreads review. Yes, that is my favorite moment. Okay. Okay, So this is what it says. Okay, great. In full caps, ABANDONED. Bleh. It just keeps getting worse and worse. I don't usually abandon books, but this one's too boring to continue. World building is non-existent, main characters in limp noodle, and the atmosphere is all fog. Gray, boring, no-nothing fog. Snooze. One star. <sighs> limp noodle. <laughs> I would argue that it's very gray and foggy in the Highlands. Agreed. Agreed. That's just literal. Yes. Yes. I literally was like, it's always gray and nothing happens. Despite the fact that like a bunch happens, I just slogged through it. Uh, Obviously, at some point I did finish it because I know how it ends. So I did not ultimately abandon it. That is just the review I wrote. That's brilliant. I cannot remember, but I might have forced you to finish it. Well, not forced you, but like that is annoyed what you so much. It yes. Just, okay. Great. Yeah, you were like, Thank you, have you to for get, your better memory. <laughs> you were like, you have to get to all those scenes in the back, and I was like, okay. And then I remember like having my like ski poles and like really slogging <laughs> through the mud of trying to get uh-huh. to the end of this book. This is ringing a bell because I think you would like text me. You'd just be like, hey, I'm at this part. When does it get better? Does it get better? Like, yeah. You're almost there. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. accurate for what happened. Brilliant. So my favorite part of the first book is probably the wedding scene. So when they're forced to get married to save Claire's life, I'm pretty sure she was going to be... a like tried as a witch if they didn't get married. They like borrow a dress from somebody and it's like this beautiful thing, but they're also getting married in this quiet church in the middle of nowhere and how they didn't actually know each other, but their marriage ended up being the best thing for both of them, being the right relationship for the both of them. And 
and how necessity was the like the seedling for love and perfect union. I, that is just hella romantic to me. Uh, oh, it. Oh, I. Oh, hard disagree. <laughs> cool. Hard disagree. Okay, I right, mean, this okay. is definitely marriage of convenience, and there's only one bed, sure. and there's only one dress, and there's only one pair of pants, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, that wedding scene to me, I was like, don't touch him. No, 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 no. Don't hold his hand. Oh, you're holding his hand now. Okay. Like, I had so many red flags and warning bells, and like, just hard no yikes about it because so, i don't i actually don't remember the stakes being high enough yeah. for her mm-hmm. to have to go mm-hmm. through this sure it's just becoming clearer more and more clear to me that this book lost you at panties oh at yeah no panties. oh yeah when she when in the very first in when she chooses to dispose of her panties i'm like nope hard no <laughs> Yeah. All right. Apparently anything in an underwearless society is not going to happen for Sky. What was your hot take on this book as if we don't already know it? <laughs> eh. Sure. Great. I will get I one will give, star. Apparently. One star. Exactly. I will give massive props to the show and to the depth of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do think that less on screen rape is present in the show. There is definitely implied yeah. sexual violence, but they have done a better job of focusing on the healing and the strength and the growth mm-hmm. out of it and less mm-hmm. time is spent on the gratuitous nature yeah. of its existence in the first place. Because all of the ones in the first book and the ones in the second book, except for the French King one, are off screen. Mm-hmm. They're implied, but they're yeah. not present. Whereas they are definitely written on the page. Spoiler for season five. There's cool, a lot. Cool. There's, yeah. Cool, cool. It's real bad. I had to stop watching it. It was so bad. I not stop. I like, I looked away. So I didn't have to watch it, but I didn't have to like stop altogether. Okay. I, my hot take is definite. Yes. Hard. Yes. For book one, a yes for books two and three, as I mentioned before, and then a reluctant eh for books four and five. So it, my interest and excitement has dwindled as the series has gone on. Um, did this book make you want to get naked? Um, there's, a, there's a scene at the very end of the book where uh, Jamie is at some sort of like recuperation resort and they have sex in a mud bath. And there's something about the concept of warm mud that is very intriguing. <laughs> So we have learned definitively you need your labia to be warm for it to be sexy. At all times. (laughs) Warm and moist. Yes, those are the requirements. (laughs) Wow. Wow. I don't know. Mud to me is too close to sand, perhaps. See, to me, it's it's a lot softer and pudding-like. Oh, you've just ruined pudding for me. How dare you ruin pudding for me? I just don't want to think about mud inside my body. Oh, yeah. That is that is where I'm like curious, but not so curious as to have tried it. (laughs) 
I, I guess like if you're into mud play, do you also douche? Is, is I mean, that necess- I, I, necessity? I feel like you would need to to like make sure that all of the mud is out of your system. Oh God. Okay. I can't talk about this anymore. This is offensive <laughs> to my very being. Um, did this book make me want to get naked? Absolutely. Jamie Frazier is my book boyfriend. Like uh, I should really just name a vibrator after him. Like that is that I'm very much into a tall, strong, redheaded Scottishman with an accent who also knows how to speak French. He speaks French, everybody. That's uh, it's very nice. I could do without him always getting hurt. Like you're too, that's too clumsy for me. Cut it out. But looks good doing it, I guess. My God, you've ruined <laughs> pudding and living in the past. This is this whole episode was a roller coaster. <laughs> I am so glad I took you there. Then, hello and welcome to my TED talk about underpants. <laughs> underpants and mud sex. Mud play, mud play, mud play. Oh yes, they get out of the Holy mud at crap. some point. I have no recollection of this scene whatsoever. Yeah. Probably because of how offensive mud play is to my sensibilities. I'm very delicate. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, let's send this to our end credits. <laughs> Goodbye, people. Thank you for joining us for an episode of Booklandia. For more Booklandia, follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at L.Skyford, Twitter at SkyfordL, and hit up our blog, lskyford.com. We love you to the moon and back, so don't forget to rate and subscribe. Our eternal thanks for the audio editing and support provided by Finnegan Murphy, who you can find on Twitter at Finnegan1, that's F-I-O-N-N-E-G-A-N, numeral one, and sometimes Sky herself. So to imagine that this Mm -hmm. person was not told by any of their friends after any of the weddings how the butter gets turned is just oh no Mm-mm. reject i'm rejecting that one no thank you i'm putting that in the box with his club and her area I'm closing the lid nailing it shut <laughs> <laughs>